it really gave us that focus and made us conquer the European markets first. Um, I think like otherwise that it could have gotten dangerous. Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Olsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. Hi, my name is Hannah Asmussen, CEO and co-founder of Localize, and you're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi and welcome, Hannah. Thanks for having me. Very excited. How are you? Very good. Happy that it's a Friday. <laughs> it was an eventful week again. <laughs> I can imagine that is always an eventful week for somebody like you. Yeah, um, you always start into the week like thinking that you have a plan of what's going to happen and a good agenda. And then something comes in, ideally on a Monday, that <laughs> screws everything over. <laughs> Classic. And first thing first, then in my podcast here, Hannah, can you tell me and the listeners, what does your company, Localize, do? Do the elevator pitch. <laughs> we help companies and their employees to cross borders and cover everything from the immigration process to relocation, getting a bank account and housing. On the point, very crisp pitch. <laughs> and uh, then I want you to tell me a bit longer story because I love to listen to stories. I want to hear the story about how you and your co-founders end up with the idea of localize. That is indeed a longer story. Um the I think like the, the first idea was really started almost 10 years ago now um, because I relocated across borders a lot. Um, I worked in China for a bit. I uh, moved to Latin America a couple of times, um, had, my, had my fair share of struggles with U.S. immigration and always thought it should be easier. Um, and then my two co-founders, A, had the same experience like on a personal level. But then my co-founder, Lisa, um, actually worked in HR uh, at an international company. They brought in a lot of international engineers and she was the one building out the internal team um, that handled immigration. And so back then they were managing it with an Excel sheet. Um, a lot of work was involved. <clears throat> and so we knew that the individuals had a problem, but the companies actually as well. And so we said, okay, we can build something in that space. Um, and that was 20, 2018. Um, we knew each other before. So, um, and then actually got reunited by the idea. And since then, uh, have been, have been working together, have been figuring out how to build a product, how to sell it, uh, and all of that. The, the problem is there and you know it yourself. And then you just take action. <laughs> Classic. Thank you for sharing Hannah and, um, it's time for the first big segment of my two big segments here in my podcast. It's leadership and business development, and then we have some uh, other fun things, highs and lows, etc. So here we go with leadership. First thing here, Hannah. Are you a good leader? I would say no, um, because I never learned it. Um, and like being a leader is incredibly hard. Um, and so I'm not as good as a leader as I want to be. I also think that 
there are a lot of wars leaders. Um, so considering that I never learned it properly, I do think I'm doing quite a good job. Like otherwise we wouldn't be where we are at. But um, being a good leader is probably the hardest thing that you can you can do. And so I do think until I will actually say that I'm a really good leader, I'll need probably 20 more years experience in that field. Um, but I think like there, it always depends on like who you ask. So if you look at other CEOs, um, I do think they are much worse. <laughs> at least like I bring a lot of, um, I think like they're like a lot of, a lot of empathy, passion for you, what we're trying to solve. And like, I always, I try to do the best every day and like also learn. And I do think like that's a trait that's super important. But yeah, being a very good leader is tough. Yeah, extremely humble, I must say, because from my point of view, you are a very good leader since, since you are going and building a super great company. And here I want to fish and now dive a bit deeper regarding superpowers, because if we can agree that there are a lot of worst leaders out there, you are doing several things great. And I want to now understand what would you see or what have people around you told you are some of your superpowers as a leader? Yeah. One is definitely I'm I'm kind of like a truffle pig for problems and things that we can improve. And so I was um I have like a natural instinct to like find out where do I have to dig deeper. Um, especially with a growing business. Um it's it's tough to keep track of everything that's going on. And I think like that's one of the biggest risks. Um, if there's like either a team that's not performing, if there's like an, a trend, an industry trend that you're missing. Um, and especially as a CEO, like you need to have oversight over a lot of different topics. Um, and so trying to like balance the fact of like how deep can I go in the short amount of time that I have versus I can't lose control and like can't lose track of like what's going on in the company. And like that's something I'm really good at. And I also have a really good memory. So like uh, uh, then I remember things like that we've we've talked about or can like hold people accountable, even if we don't have like everything formalized in terms of like the most shiny OKR process. I think like also one thing that that I've learned um, is more like the I think like the consulting part of the job where you need to build structures, where um, you need to, I don't know, like build your financial model, where you need to like build the the right targets for sales. Like um, when we started out, I was I was extremely unstructured. Even though I worked in consulting, I was rather the person who was, who was always late uh, <laughs> and quite chaotic. Um, and that's also something that I learned really well to um, live and work within structures, um, also give structure to others. Um, I think like the coaching aspect as well, like, I think that's the most tricky part. And so I wouldn't say that I'm extremely good at it. Um, if I compare it to like very seasoned CEOs, but I think like there, I have a, my mom is the te teacher as well. So like, maybe I also have like some tendency there <laughs> for the teaching point, but I actually like it. And I do think that I got a lot better at it, like to also help people grow in their positions. Um, I think that's important. And then the last aspect um, is really still having a lot of empathy for the problem that we're solving yeah. and really, uh, really knowing that, okay, we have to stay close to our customers, we really have to like push on the product side um, to build like the best product out there. Yeah, great input. Thank you, Hannah, for sharing. And I also quickly must comment that from my belief, at least, and point of view, I think if you are early stage and a founder, the common way is not to be super structured. 
that is just me, <laughs> but I, I, I think you maybe shouldn't be too structured if you are an entrepreneur early stage. Yes, saying True. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so we move on to bad things. Worst things, because everything isn't happy-clappy with being a leader. Like you said, it's super tough. What would you say are the worst things about being a leader? And can you quickly address how you are tackling them also? Yeah. Do you mean like the worst things in terms of like the the, the most, the hardest aspects? Or do yeah. you mean like the worst? Yeah, the hardest. Okay. Um, I think like one of the hardest aspects is... Um, is performance management um, and ensuring goals because it also means that um, you you can't make everyone work um, just because we're growing so fast um, we we always need the right people on board um, we need to have people who also grow fast um, because the roles are changing they need to be adaptable and so you sometimes have the challenge that um, you can't invest a lot in someone that doesn't have the skills or like is not growing at the, at the right pace um, on their own. Yeah. And then making the tough call of like, okay, maybe that person is not a fit for our stage for what we do. Um, I think like that's the hardest because we had like, we had conversations like that and it really hurts because Often you really like the person behind, um, but then at the same time, you have to make sure that your company reaches the goals that it has to, because like otherwise the whole company would fail. Um, yeah. And making those trade-offs, I think like that is really the hardest thing. Um, also managing like, and that just gets magnified um, in a tricky environment as we have right now. So like we, we already survived COVID um, uh, and doing immigration with closed borders is not the easiest. Um, <laughs> And now kind of like this new, um, this new environment, um, we've learned to be very resilient um, and to, to deal with a lot of change, but still it's not pretty. Like everyone likes it better when there's a lot of cash on the market. Uh, yeah. uh, you can do great offsides, um, uh, add new benefits like every month. Um, and then managing downturn is, is not, not the easiest thing. I think you said it really well. And I think we move on then to... If you have to summarize leadership from your point of view with one word, what would that be? With one word, that's tough. Um, I would say, I know it's two words, but like giving direction. If it's one word, I would say like direction. I think like that's really the most important part so that everyone like goes in the right direction is like uh, has the right focus. I do think like that's the most important part of the job. And I, I love also that you actually said two words because this is the classic one here. When it, when you ask <laughs> an entrepreneur, if I say one word, you squeeze in another one. If I, when I try to say two words, another CEO squeezed in a, a third word. So it's, it's almost like bending the rules a bit. Yeah. Amazing. So yeah, direction, super important. So this means that for this time at least, Hannah, we leave the leadership segment because we need to move on. With uh, you are a busy person, we don't have too much time. So now it's a bit lighter topic. A fun fact: I want to hear about a fun fact about yourself that most people don't know about. <laughs> there, there, there's a lot of them probably, but uh, I think one big fun fact is that I. 
I grew up on a farm in northern Germany, actually very close to the Danish border. That's also why I have a have a Danish last name because uh, we we belong to Denmark for <laughs> for a longer time. Um, and uh, yeah, then at some point said I want to discover the world uh, and start moving abroad. But like. Um, I didn't have neighbors uh, two kilometers around me. And like, wow. that's how I grew up, which is probably very different to how I live, how I live right now. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. And um, going back to tougher topics, what's the biggest mistake you have ever made in business and that you can think of right now and want to share? Oh God, that's a... <sighs> That's a tough one. There's a lot of mistakes that you that you make along the way. Um, a really big one that we made early on um, is around focus and and what we did. Um, when we did Y Combinator in 2019, we're still very early, very small. Um, and uh, I spent a lot of time in the US and we actually said, oh, um, it's a great moment in time to launch in the US and like try to make localize available there. And it clearly wasn't because we were five or six people at that time. It took away so much focus. Um, in the end, I was I was forced to also return to Europe um, because of COVID, which in that moment was good because it, it really gave us that focus and make made us, um, yeah, conquer the European markets first. Um, I think like otherwise that it could have gotten dangerous um, because also like me focusing on something completely different um, was clearly not the best for the business at that time. I hear this so many times. Focus, ICP, start narrow. Yeah. yeah it's clear to me now uh, that it's so important and I really want to get the word around this out there. So I'm, I'm glad that you're helping around this topic, Anna, because so many startups unfortunately die yeah. because of split focus. Yeah. Super powerful. And um, now we are moving on to a question that I always love to listen to, because this is not me shooting a question to you. This is actually a topic of your choice. So now I will sip it and let you talk a few minutes about something that you are nerdy and passionate about. So it's time for Hannah's <laughs> topic of choice. That that definitely is immigration, I would say. Um, it's super interesting because uh, there's a there's a story behind as well. Um, when um, when I was studying and also like right after. Um, I always wanted to go in development aid, um, uh, work for the UN, um, uh, do something there, um, and then actually did a couple of internships as well. Uh, what I realized is that mm, very often development aid um, is not done the most efficient way um, because you're always working in between governments, etc. Um, and that was quite frustrating. Um, I think like there are a lot of really good intentions and also some projects that make a lot of sense, but. Um, I thought about like what else would be possible. Um, and, uh, I think like that's something where with localized now, like we, we actually, we create a positive impact. We make it easier for people to move, um, across borders. One of the, um, UN SDGs is also equal opportunities, I think it's called. And so like giving or economic opportunity, I'm not sure what the exact wording is, but like basically giving the same opportunities to everyone. I think like open borders, are super important for that and like actually making international job opportunities more accessible. And so that is something where I do think like right now with Localize, um, we create a super strong Im impact. Uh, we also have initiatives where we offer free support, for example, for people from Afghanistan, Ukraine, 
Um, and that's something that I would really love to take further um, to support immigration, also make countries more aware of how, how much immigration is needed. Um, and I think like there are some trends right now that make it super important to have like kind of like a counterforce that's trying to foster immigration, uh, trying to have more of it. Um, so that's really like the one topic that I'm super passionate about. I do think like there's also numbers and statistics that actually say that borders should be much more open um, to create more opportunities and actually have a positive effect on uh, on countries' GDPs. But uh, it's like it's such a loaded topic as well um, that like it's still it's still tough sometimes. So uh, yeah, that's my topic of choice. <laughs> you you have been passionate for this for long then because this is not I know when I like you said you worked earlier for many years. When did this passion actually started for you? The the first time like the first time that it actually came up was when I was. 15 I moved to Argentina um that was for for school exchange um and uh they also had to get my own visa etc um it was like a, a student or like um yeah uh kind of like school visa so it was still easier to get but like I had to go from Flensburg to Hamburg um and then like all the and like get a lot of notarized documents etc so first time like really seeing how tough it can be um and uh, then also afterwards, like every time I moved, um, I moved abroad, just kept encountering um, those challenges, not only on the immigration side, but also um, things like, uh, yeah, housing, finding housing when you move somewhere. Um, and like, uh, yeah, kept encountering it. Um, and so the, the, the scope of the problem <laughs> just continued, continued getting bigger. And would you say... Once you were done with all that, the experience when you were settled, was that like amazing, but it was so much hassle before. So you both got the aha of something amazing, but you also had the headache of a huge problem. Did, did you, did you felt both of them? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I do think more people would move abroad if it wouldn't be such a challenge. And so that for me is the most interesting part. Like how can we make borders less scary? Because I do think there's such a big benefit. Like you learn new languages, you become more open-minded. Um, and so I do think like that's something that ideally more more people should be doing. Yeah, this is so interesting. Why, why I wanted to go a bit deeper here is that I, in my job, uh, we are changing a behavior with video and changing behaviors is super hard. And I, I want to understand, yes, when the aha moment triggers. And my belief is... Is that's why I follow up with the good side and the bad side that you really have some big uh, changing experience that you really love, but it was also a hustle or you worked hard and I felt a problem that sticks with you. The combination of that. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Hannah, for sharing about one of your favorite topics. And now it's time for the segment of an external question, because I love to lift in the community and let other people's voices heard too. And uh, so it's time for a question from a listener called Daniel Tiander. And this is his question. Hi, Hannah, this is Daniel. Are the different tax system in the world something that limits your business and development? I mean like this, you can live and work from anywhere on equal terms digitally, but since different countries have different tax system, this creates different conditions for the individual person. 
100%. I do think like tax, um, not only tax, but like also like immigration, um, the fact that governments are still all doing their own thing um, versus like working together. Of course, right now, like there is like tax treaties um, to avoid double taxation, etc. but it's still a, a jungle to navigate. Um, there's bigger risks. I think like that's also why companies that are working remotely are still super hesitant to just allow people to work everywhere um because like if you don't have an entity you can create like a corporate tax risk etc um and that's not easy i i do think for us it's both a block like it's both a positive and a negative because um of course like we have business because it's like still not super easy um it's actually also fun like fun fact is that sometimes investors say okay like what would happen to your business um if like embassies decide to like all work together and suddenly like it's all very easy and like everyone can just get a visa i do think it a it will take a very long time uh, <laughs> on the tech side on immigration on everything um I do think like right now you start seeing a few effects like digital nomad visas, for example. And I do think like on the tech side, we might see similar trends, but probably rather in 10 years. Um, and like problems will always be there because then um, housing, like housing is something that's very local. And so when you move somewhere, like how can I find housing? How can I figure that out? Like there was, there'll always be challenged. So our business will always be there. Um And coming back to the tax point, um, definitely, like for us, it's uh, it is something that is limiting business because if if it wouldn't be there, I do think companies would be even more inclined to operate across borders, have international entities, um, make all of that easier. But uh, we're probably a long long way away from that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so too. Thank you for the input, and Daniel, thank you for your question. It's time to move on into the field of business development. Which top KPIs are most important for you? And if you don't tell me why you have chosen them, I will ask you why you have chosen them. <laughs> uh, how many? How many can I name? <laughs> I would say the most usual is that you name in between three to six i would say the, the the most important one and then some maybe quickly die one layer deeper but not so deep there just explaining the reasonings yeah <laughs> um i do think like the the number one kpi that every startup is looking at uh is is revenue and revenue growth um i'm also a fan of like sometimes really focusing on one thing um that was a learning that we had during, during y combinator because then if you say like one thing matters more than others it gives you a lot of focus and then you look at that kpi and if it doesn't progress as you expect you know like something is off so like this is always the north star um what it what changed a bit there and like one kpi that we looked at a bit less before and that became more important now is logo acquisition so like not only revenue and i think like that is something that is um very important in the current environment depends on the company as well but for us because we have a yeah very high loyalty low uh, logo churn and so if a logo um if, a, if we acquire a logo and then um they don't have that much revenue right now um we know that over time uh chances are 99 that they will grow and that revenue contribution grows and so um right now like the second uh second most important is logo acquisition um 
net dollar expansion as well because we have a usage-based um, business model. Um, we right now have uh, a mix between um, fully transactional pricing and flat fees. Um, and so this can only work if over time you have a positive trend, of course, if you have a strong net dollar retention and expansion. Um, so that's a super important one. Uh, unit economics as well, because we have an operations component in the team, um, because we really, uh, yeah, I think like they have kind of like immigration experts um, on the back of the software. Right now, unit economics are or like the gross margin is around 75%, but like we want to keep it within that range to show that we are rather a SaaS business than an, than an ops and service business. Um, I'll, I'll pause there. I think like those are the most important. Um, we are super data driven. Um, so yeah, I think like there overall, we look at a lot of data, but those would be the most important. The one ring to rule them all and your most important like North Star metric, is that the one you said first, revenue growth? Yeah. Have it always been that or have it changed during your journey? <laughs> it has always been that. And I think like there, that was also something that we, we learned during YC. They said like, hey, um, for 90% of businesses, it is really revenue. Um, the only the only thing like where you can focus on like for example monthly active users is like if you have I don't know like if you build the second like Facebook and then you know that you first have to like really drive MAU before you drive revenue. But yeah. um, the thing is, if you don't if you don't have clarity there, and if it's not um, if you like focus on the wrong metric, you are sugarcoating how you look at the health of your business because also yeah. for like a B two B SaaS business active users don't matter if you haven't proven that they would actually pay for what you do. And so yeah. being like brutally honest about, okay, is someone paying for it? Um, am I sure that like, this is really, um, this is really like showing success or uh, also not. I think that is extremely important. Uh, what you just said here, uh, this is super powerful to actually dive deep for your own business and understand do they need to use it to pay for it or not? Thank you for the input here, Hannah. And I think we are already a bit into that. I want us to go quickly a few minutes. If you can share some best practices around your best tip of go-to-market strategies for a startup. <laughs> uh, that's not the easiest one because like, also I wasn't the one um, in charge of like, go-to-market and revenue. That, that was my co-founder, Lisa. But one thing I've learned is like... Um, you need to figure it out first and it doesn't like there's no it doesn't make sense to like try and like build a structure around something that's not there yet so really be close to the customer talk to as many of them as possible um be flexible in the beginning also in things like pricing etc like don't try and like build a structure and scale prematurely there's also something like a, a sales market fit so that you it's not only product market fit but actually also about like uh how does like the way I sell fit to the specific market and like have I figured out like how I can sell my product. And I think like they're kind of like premature scaling is the worst you can do. And I think like also as a founder, um, this is something that you can't fully outsource. Like you have to be involved there. Like you have to be the one as well, like driving it, um, talking to customers, um, uh, trying to sell, figure it out before you hand it over to someone. Spot on. I, I, I just, the vast majority they need to hear this and they need to think of it over and over again because so many miss this out there. Thank you, Hannah. And the last 
thing here because before we are in the roundup with just three questions left is this question and this is my vam oriented question i want to collect data points regarding the best way to figure out outreach so what would you say is the best way to do a code outreach to you to, if you're a salesperson and want to get hannah into a meeting how would you like to get contacted God, that's a that's a tough one. Probably through network because like I'm I'm really rigorous with my inbox. So like um anything where like I don't know who it's coming from, what it's about, like I just delete it. Like I never I don't read any like cold outreach. I don't think cold outreach ever worked with me. Um and so also even and like even through network, I'm I'm really like trying to be as focused as possible. So like also if investors reach out and say like, hey, I have that beautiful new portco. Do you want to look at like what they do? Um very often I'm like, no, not a not a focus right now. <laughs> so I'm, I'm probably a tough one, but uh <laughs> No, 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 no. I, I, I want straight shooting answers. So the easiest way to do a uh, cold outreach to you or how would you like to be preferred is through a common network or an intro. Yeah. And this means that we have entered the roundup. Only three questions left. And the first thing here is, I love this one. If you would give yourself, when you were a younger CEO, your one to three top things to think of, what would you tell yourself that you now know that you didn't know? Number one is like, uh, build a successful business and like investors will follow. Um, I think like for us initially, it was super, it was super tough um, to get fundraising. Like we we're never kind of like the hot startup because we didn't have like any network, etc. And that initially really worried me because I thought like, okay, we have to does that like does that say anything like about the potential success of my business? Um, they also said like, hey, the market is shit. Um, business not interesting and so like really saying like okay prove your business and then um you you will get money for it um i think like also the focus topic like really like don't tackle too many different things because i do think we we in, mm, wasted a lot of time initially with the wrong things and that customer part like you you only have to believe your customers like whatever they say you should do um don't trust investors with like uh, uh decisions on product etc on pivots like only listen to what your customers want so i think like those are the top three things strong things great there and i am writing in fully and that's why i love cutting my own podcast because i can listen again and listen again yeah, second last question. Which other two B2B socios do you, Hannah, think are interesting and would like to listen to if I would interview them? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I, I know a lot. Uh, one person that I'm a big fan of is uh, Veronica from DemoDesk. Um, they're also a fellow YC company. Um, and uh, we, we have a really strong connection there. Um Another woman uh, would be Eleanor from Pigment. Um, I think they're also really strong, um, very driven, very ambitious. Thank you for two great names. And I, I love that you said only two women and not a man because there's so many men out there. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, yeah. So thank you for, for that. And the last one. Now, the last question, I put my fingers crossed and hoping for uh, inspirational, yet some maybe concrete numbers. Hannah, where will you with Localize be in five years? 
um uh we don't have like our five-year goal but we have our 10-year goal like we our big hairy audacious goal is to bring 100 million people across borders by 2030 so yeah that's the that's like the the thing that we said <laughs> it is ambitious but I, i still think we can do it and i wish you the biggest of luck with that and now i quickly shift and the focus to you has been listening two quick ones Number one, press the subscription button. And number two, tell a friend or a colleague to listen to Hannah in B2B SaaS And Hannah, a huge thank you for putting aside 30 minutes to get with me to help the community and me to keep on learning. Of course. Thank you for having me. Design.